Here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a Bible from underneath the chair in front of you. We're going to actually bring the lights up a little bit. Everybody's going to have a Bible open because, you ready for this? We have 29 minutes. We're doing 31 verses. Yes. And at the end, I'm going to drop my Bible like a mic drop, like bam, we did it. We are going to dig into the scriptures because that's what our series is, digging in. It's an in-depth look in the first 10 book, uh, chapters of Acts, an in-depth look at being God's church because that's what Acts is. It's the story of the beginning of God's church. So everybody grab a Bible. I want everybody to have a Bible or an electronic Bible open. And, um, and so uh, give me a page number from the church Bibles. 1090. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to dig in. We're, we're, so far, we have, um, we've gotten through the first three chapters, and I hope that you're reading along and that you're studying, because uh, we, we thought, hey, wouldn't it be great to study the book of Acts just in depth all the way through? And then we realized that would take six years. So then we said, all right, well, let's study the first 10 books, uh, first 10 chapters in depth of the book of Acts. And uh, then we realized that would take four years. And so we went, all right, well, we're going to have to, uh, going to expect you to do some reading and some studying and digging in, and there's so much great history. It's fascinating stuff. Are you everybody there, everybody in Acts chapter 4 with me? If you have never had a study Bible, you should get a study Bible. Study Bibles are these things, there's these big honkers that you, this is what you put in your briefcase, you carry it to work every day. A, no, you don't. But... It has like a little commentary down here, like it helps you understand what the text is. It has cross-references of other Bible passages that teach the same stuff. And like if Jesus is saying something that's alluded to the Old Testament, you can figure out where that is and you can go to the Old Testament and read it. There's introductions to all the books. There's maps in here. There's historical timelines. So you're like, who in the world is Hezekiah? Is that a joke? Hezekiah, is that a real person? Yes or no? Anybody know? Real or made up? Hezekiah. Real, yeah, yeah. I wanted to trick you, but you got it. All right, there's so many. Anybody, if you don't have a study Bible, I'd recommend one. Who wants this one right here? Free, right? Oh, boom, Mike. Oh, you are so, you stud. Well done. <laughs> All right. And, uh, and I saw uh, Jennifer De La Fontana with five rows behind you raise her hand. So if the Holy Spirit is in you, bro, you might find her and give it to her afterward. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jennifer, come see me. We'll, uh, we'll connect you, okay? Um, Acts, here's where we are. We are in Acts chapter 4. And what, what, what Art did, I'm going to come down and, uh, and kind of try to keep you awake because we're going to move. We're going we're gonna to move. Everybody's going to have their Bibles open. And um, Art in chapter 3 talked about or, or uh, uh, told the story, read the story, and preached from uh, Peter and John who had healed a guy who had been um, paralyzed from birth. And, and so... Uh, then they, everybody said, well, what in the world is all this all about? And they started speaking these speeches, essentially telling everybody what this was all about because everybody was saying, well, who is this Jesus and what, what happened here? And so uh, they're now preaching and talking. Uh, and so um, in chapter four, they get interrupted by the authorities. The man shows up, all right? So let's look at it. I'm gonna make three points if I get to them. And if I can't get to all of them, then um, I'm going to throw them up there at the end. Uh, but we're just going to walk through and um, see it. I, this is the only verse I have up there to show you what passage we're in. John, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Ready? The priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So they were speaking to the people. Remember what they were doing, speaking to the people? They were telling, they were explaining uh, all the good news about Jesus after that miracle that happened. So these guys, verse what is it, two, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming uh, 
in Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. Now, what you need to know, the reason, what, if you got a study Bible, Michael, if you have a study Bible, <laughs> sorry, Jennifer, if you have a study Bible, one of the things you could look up is you would read about who the Sadducees are, and you would find out that the Sadducees were the religious leaders that were part of the chief priest uh, caste, and the Sadducees, two things you would need to know about the Sadducees that would help you understand this, one is they did not believe that the Messiah was going to come physically in the person of somebody like Jesus. So now you see the trouble they're having because these guys are claiming that Jesus is the Messiah. The second thing you need to know about the Sadducees is they didn't believe all the supernatural gobbledygook. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, which Jesus, by the way, hello, anybody? Have you read the, the book? <laughs> Had just been raised from the dead and they were proclaiming Jesus' resurrection and that he was the Messiah. The two main things that these guys were like, mm, wait a minute, that's trouble. So that's what you see there. So verse, see, I can't see my verse numbers in here because they're too small, so just help me. Just call them out. I can see the words, but not the numbers. They seized Peter and John because it was evening, and they put them in, um, sorry, did I skip something? What? Oh, I know. What are you saying? You, now you think I can't read everything? <laughs> and they put them in jail. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed had grown to 5,000. Later, it talks about men and women that believed, but they were trying to kind of count like all the, the leaders of the household back then in patriarchal society, right? The, these men believed, a number of men believed. It's an interesting little statement, right? That all these, these religious leaders who were like, uh, we don't think the Messiah is going to come like that. Uh, people don't rise from the dead. Uh, there's not going to be a resurrection for anybody in the end. There won't be eternal life. This is your hope now. Put your hope in today. Put your hope in the government in our political power and in our independence, etc. And these guys came and said, Oh, there's a way bigger story here. And many believed that message and became believers. And so you have the church beginning to grow. This is why this series is called An In Depth Look at Being God's Church, because this is the birth of the church that's happening here. Okay, verse what? You understand that's just a ploy to get you to pay attention, right? <laughs> The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. This group is called the Sanhedrin, okay? And that means, just means council. And this is all the religious leaders. It was dominated by Sadducees. And so to make that point, Luke is telling us who was there, all of the members of the high priest's family who were all Sadducees, who were, in the end, were, all of them were high priests after this. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas and John and Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question them. By what power or name did you do this? I could not find anybody to articulate in a study uh, a commentary or anything why in the world they would ask that question. Anybody have any idea? What's an interesting question that they would say, what, by what power, by what name would you, did you do this thing? Anybody have any thoughts? <laughs> leading the witness because, yeah, and what do you mean by that, Alan? What do you think they're getting at? Okay, so they, they were maybe setting them up to talk about Jesus because they wanted to punish them for being followers of Christ. Okay, yeah. We hear all the time today. Says who? Says who? By what authority are you just saying? Where, who, by, by what authority are you operating? Yeah, that's it. Christy? They couldn't do, what's that? 
Yeah, they couldn't do it in human. So all of that stuff is true, but there has to be some sort of an acknowledgement that there's a supernatural thing going on here. And in fact, there's some evidence that they would probably have been, it probably would have been easier for them to have believed that they did it by the power of Beelzebub or the evil spirit or the evil one. They would have credited it to that because they couldn't get their head around the fact that God was going to invade the world in the person of the Messiah and bring forgiveness of sin for every human being who said yes to that gift. They couldn't get their heads around the Messiah was coming and that the resurrection was true. Yeah, so by what power, by what name are you doing this? And as we know, the name is that authority piece. That's good. Thank you for helping with all that. So now we're at verse what? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. By the way, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now Peter's going to speak, and he's going to speak being filled with the Holy Spirit. He's going to speak now by the presence of this very real God. Remember when we talked in Acts chapter 2, that when we said yes to the gift of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells who? Every believer who says yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells them with supernatural power. Does anybody remember when Jesus was with his disciples, he taught them, he said, you know, there's going to come a day when you're going to be arrested and you're going to be in front of judges and magistrates and you're going to be asked to give a defense and don't worry about what you're going to say. Do you remember this? He said, because the Holy Spirit will come and will give you the words to say. So here we are now. This is what's happening. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That's the name, is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. He quoted their scriptures to them from Psalm 2. Salvation is found, look at verse 12, in no one else. There's no other name. Does that sound like a good worship song? There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. By what name? Peter and John say filled with the Holy Spirit. By what name? By what name? There's no other name. There's no other name. This is the Savior. This is the Christ. This is the one promised from the, the, from the beginning of God's revelation to his people that one would come and lead people into a restored relationship with God, that Jesus would actually come and provide forgiveness. This is the name. It's the name of Jesus. There's no other name. One thing I don't want you to miss as we walk through this text, when we talk about the mission of the church, and this is, this is by the way, this is my, my title of my sermon is Mission the mission of the church too, because Art's last week was the mission. Lisa, put that next slide up there, would you? The mission of the church. Art talked three things about the mission of the church. He said, the mission of the church is about daily living. He said, the mission of the church is Christ-centered, and the mission of the church is grace-focused. That was last week's sermon. That, by the way, was money, that, that sermon. If you didn't get to hear it, go online and see Art's thing. But I, this, now I'm adding to it, the church on mission two, two, sequel, two. This first point I don't want you to miss in these verses we just read. Put that up for me, Lisa. The mission of the church is characterized by miraculous acts of kindness in the name of Jesus. Notice, look back at verse 8. Notice that they're saying when he begins to answer, or verse 9, if we're being called to an account, to an account today for an act of what? Kindness. Isn't that interesting? That the way the work of God was framed, the way the mission of the church was framed was that it was an act of kindness, a miraculous act 
of kindness, but he reframes it as an act of kindness. The mission of the church is about miraculous acts of kindness. Now, why do you think that Peter and John would have characterized it that way? Why do you think that God would have made it happen that way, that this message is going out as an act of kindness? Anybody, what's the kindness thing do for you? What do you see in this text? Somebody feedback to me what you're seeing in here. What's with kindness? Mercy. Okay, there's a mercy piece. What's that? Godly. It's godly. How is it godly? Well, in that God does kind things and good things for us. So Jesus did the same thing and they questioned him on his ability to heal and such. Thank you. She said God does kind things, merciful things. That's what God did. Friends, kindness is an expression of who God is. That's exactly what it is. It's an expression of who God is. So the mission of the church is going to be expressed by showing God's heart. See, this is God's heart. It's kindness. It's not rebuke. It's not destruction. The, the heart of God, the, the motivation of God to reach out to the world is his kindness toward people, his love toward the world, his love for those that he created because of who he knows them to be, that he made them in his image. So this is his desire is to be kind to the world. And so the mission of the church then, as we're going to be reflecting that and sharing that, is that we're going to be out there doing acts of kindness. Now I put miraculous in there because this is not just helping an old lady across the street. This is healing a dude who had been from birth for 40 years, couldn't walk, and they, in the name of Jesus, healed him. Now, I'm going to push this off to the seminar that I alluded to a few weeks ago that I'm going to do also on miraculous expressions like speaking in tongues, because we have no way do we have time to talk about this. But you've got to ask the question, friends, what in the world was happening that miraculous stuff was going on when the word of God was going out? Anybody kind of have a, like, where do you put that? That they're miraculous acts of kindness. In your heart. In your heart, thank you. You put it in your heart. God has showing the world, they call them signs and wonders. He's showing the world with a sign and causing them to wonder, what is this about? And so there's these miraculous acts of kindness going on. In fact, look over at verse five, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 12. Chapter 5, verse 12, because we're not going to look at it in one of the sermons coming up. I wanted to read it. There's this crazy passage about the apostles, 5.12. You see it? Next page. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade, and no one else joined them, not publicly, uh, they, they, though they were highly regarded by the people. Nonetheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Why? Because they had seen signs and wonders. They saw these acts of kindness, but they were miraculous in nature, so it made everybody not, listen, not be able to deny that God had invaded the world in a supernatural way. The Sadducees are like, no, no, it's about the kingdom we're building. It's about our little thing here. Don't expect the Messiah. Don't expect uh, supernatural stuff to happen. And they kept coming with this evidence that, in fact, God had invaded the place. And so as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Happens to me every day. Sick people just laying down to get in my shadow. 
Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. All of them were healed. Friends, listen, I don't know why God is not doing more miraculous things like that here. All of them then were healed. Every place in the book of Acts where God was opening up the message that he has invaded the world and that Jesus is the Messiah. Listen to my my language. Listen to my, my logic here. Everywhere in the book of Acts that God was opening up to a new people the message that God had invaded the world and that Jesus was the Messiah. Everywhere he was opening up that message, he accompanied it with radical miracles so that he sealed the deal. There was something unique happening because all of them were healed. Every one of you probably has a healing story from your 20 or 30 or five years walking with Jesus. Like, man, something happened to somebody and they got healed. That's awesome. But not all of them. And they don't lie in your shadow and get healed. So something unique is going on. Why is it not more? Because God was doing something unique then. Why is he not doing more now? I'm not sure. Here's what I will tell you. We'll never see a miracle if we don't ask for one. And so... Just let that inform us going forward. But our kindness can be expressed in the name of Jesus and it will have miraculous results. It will function as a sign and a wonder, my friends. So the tenderloin yesterday is a miraculous expression of kindness. I am positive that everybody there had experiences where people said, what are you doing here? Because that is a form of a miracle. When someone shows up unconditionally to love and give to you, that is a miraculous experience that becomes a sign pointing to something supernatural has happened here. And so the mission is going to be characterized by this miraculous acts of kindness. And salvation is the ultimate kindness, coming and sharing this good news that Jesus is the one who can save. And it says that in verse uh, 12 of chapter 4. Look back at verse 12. I don't want to miss it before I move on to the next point, because I've got to wrap up here pretty quick. Salvation, it says, is found in no, what does it say? No other name. No other name. No other, no one else. There's no other name under heaven, given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the Savior, and God set it up that way, and no other name saves. And so we come in the name of Jesus doing these acts of kindness so that the miracle of salvation might show up in people's lives. That word salvation means just what you think it means. It means that people are rescued from a life without God and from an eternity where their souls are separated from him because of their sin. They're saved from that. And it means much more than that. And it, says, and, then, and it means that there's restoration in their bodies and in their minds and in their psyche. It's a great word. But it comes from Jesus. And so the mission of the church, as Art pointed out in his, his second point last Sunday, the mission of the church is christ centered. And the mission of our church is going to be characterized by this kindness in the name of Jesus. Salvation comes. I got to share this story with you very briefly. My stepmom's got inoperable cancer and health has gone downhill very, very quickly. It's been very distracting. Uh, Sorry, not distracting. It's been disruptive to my life in the last few weeks. If you're behind in communication with me, my apologies. It's because we've been focused on it. 
and she's no longer living at home, and she was in the hospital, and then she's in post-acute care. But in post-acute care, or when Linda was dealing with her in the middle of this, Linda saw the thing happening very quickly, and Linda was going in, my wife Linda, was going every other day or so to go visit her, every couple of days to go visit her and see what was happening. And she finally said to her, this woman, my stepmom, has no religious belief, said to her, can I pray for you? Because you know what, in the back of the way Linda operates, in the back of those of us that have been steeped in God's word, what we know is that salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And so as a woman is facing the last season of her life, my wife goes in and says, can I pray for you? And prays for her. Well, I go up to visit her uh, uh, and I'm sitting by her bedside and she says, I'm scared. And I said, what are you afraid of? She said, I don't know what's going to happen. And then she said, Linda has been coming, and Linda prayed for me. And she said, would you pray for me? I've never had you pray for me before. She she was married to my dad for 30 years, 35 years. I've never had you pray for me. Will you pray for me? And I said, what what are we praying about? And she said, well, I don't know what's going to happen but I haven't been in church in many, many, many years. And I said, honey, it is not about being in church. It is about whether or not you are ready to put your trust in Christ, that God's love for you will reach into every single one of your years that you lived without him, and forgive all of your sin and all of the distance that you've had between you and God. If you're ready to trust God, with, with your soul, with your heart, and with your future, then he will receive you, and you'll be with him forever. Are you ready to do that? And she said, of course I am. <laughs> Who wouldn't, <laughs> right? Acts of kindness, miraculous acts of kindness, lead to salvation, friends, in the name of Jesus. And that's the mission of our church, that we go out and we love and care for people and he opens up these opportunities for us to express our kindness, the love and the mercy of God, and he opens up the chance for us to then speak those words that are saving to people. 412, there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Okay, we're doing great. (laughs) You are. Number... uh, This is what I want want you to see this point before we uh, read the text. Look at the next point, Lisa. This is the second thing the Church on Mission is about. It's characterized by speaking about what we have seen and heard. It's characterized by speaking about what we've seen and heard. So now as we continue on in our text, whoops, I lost it. So when they saw the courage... This is verse uh, 13, right? When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. By the way, so good. There's so much stuff in here. They noticed that they were unschooled and ordinary men. You know what that meant? These guys weren't theologically trained, and so they were like, whoa, what are these guys doing? They are not theologically trained. They shouldn't be able to have these kinds of arguments, and they are operating on this level with these uh, people that are way outside their league. And it says, so when, they, when, they, when they, they, they were astonished, and so they took note that they'd been with Jesus. I love that. Don't miss that. 
These guys are operating outside of their lane so far. Whoa, and they'd been with Jesus. So something might have happened in their life because of Jesus. That's you and me. That's so me. I'm the biggest loser ever. And Jesus has made me just barely functional. Yeah. So, but since they could not see, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them. I love that. Can you just now picture, picture, picture the guy standing next to him like this? It's just it's me right here. So they're like, we don't even know what to do with this. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a a notable sign and cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them no longer to speak in his name. This is such a great strategy. So then they called them together in and they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus, verse 19. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, look at this next word, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Why? Why could they not help it? Why could they not help it? Because it's the truth. They'd, they'd experienced the truth. It wasn't that we believe it's the truth. It's we've seen it happen truth. Why else? Why couldn't they help it? They were changed by it. When you're changed by it, you have a conviction of something that you cannot shake. And people are like, well, I was not, blah, blah, blah. You're like, well, you, we're not talking about you. I was changed. Somebody else, somebody said, some over here. The Holy Spirit. I heard the Holy Spirit a couple places. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they couldn't help it. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and so when God gave them the opportunity, they spoke boldly. You'll notice that boldly and Holy Spirit is in there. Holy and Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean Holy Spirit equals being obnoxious. That doesn't mean Holy Spirit means, you know, uh, a not understanding context. That doesn't mean Holy Spirit means then being rude and not caring about someone's feelings or their ability to contextualize what you're saying or be able to hear it. That's not what that means. Holy Spirit is about discernment and leading. And when they had discernment and leading and they had these green lights to take the moment and say, hey, this is about you trusting Christ with your last days and giving him your heart and your soul. Like when the Holy Spirit gives you that discernment, then you speak boldly, right? And so all this, the mission too, you guys, is characterized by speaking about what we've seen and heard. I just want to say that because when you have the opportunity, you don't have to convince somebody who doesn't want to believe. You don't have to convince somebody who doesn't believe. You don't have to, con- you don't have to win an argument. This is just somebody in the context of God providing the opportunity or are you taking an opportunity and saying, okay, I think the Lord wants me to, to lean into this, just sharing what you've seen and what you've heard. Hey, this is what's changed my life. Okay, I got, so, so I got stories I want to share about that. I can't, we're moving on. And the last thing that I want you to not miss is that, um, so they called him in, told him to do that. They said, no, we can't do that. We have to keep speaking. So uh, after further threats, they let them go and they couldn't decide because they couldn't decide how to punish him because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I love that. Like if he was 30, they'd be like, well, we know he's been paralyzed since birth, but he was only 30, you know. So many funny things in the Bible. 
In verse 23, on the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, what did they do? They prayed. The last one here is that the church on mission is, is characterized by raising our voices together in prayer. And if you go through and you study the rest of that particular paragraph of what they prayed, they began by worshiping God. Oh, sovereign God, the heavens and earth have been made by you. And they go on to talk about how, and quote scripture about there's just no way that everybody can think that they're in charge. The whole world can think that they've got power, but God, you're the one with all the power. And so they come and they lean into God and they pray. The last thing that they do there is that they pray. And verse 31, oh, don't miss that. Look at verse 31. I lost it already. Somebody stand up and read 31 so everybody can hear it. Who's got 31 right there. Mark? Yeah. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. That's intense. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And after they prayed, the whole place was shaken. And the Holy Spirit came. And they had boldness. There's this full circle in this passage. But now they're going to come out with that boldness, with having had the Holy Spirit fulfill them. They're going to be able to go out and do miraculous acts of kindness in the name of Jesus and speak what they've seen and heard. And they'll receive opposition and they'll receive, and they'll pray about it and they'll receive more Holy Spirit. We come and we pray. Mission is about prayer. Clarity. Getting clarity, getting power, getting God's leading. And so I'm going to return you as an action item when you see all this to uh, what uh, our action item was, what Art's action item was last time. Art's action item last uh, week, if you have that up there, is um, well, I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for the person that God brought to mind. Is there somebody last week, if you missed it, but if, if uh, this was what Art's prayer was, look at uh, Art's prayer. Uh, next slide, Lisa. Write the name of one person that God has brought to mind this morning to pray for him. I love this prayer. Lord, please cause Barbara to crash head on into the grace you offer. Bless her with the life-changing experience of friendship with Jesus. That was Art's prayer. So going back to what I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to ask you to continue to pray that prayer for that person, knowing that when prayer comes discernment, with prayer comes unlocking this miraculous uh, uh, um, a work of God toward salvation. And I'm going to ask you to add to it, to that prayer, an act of kindness. An act of kindness that could, for people, see a, become a sign and a wonder that, in fact, God is showing up in that place and wants to do work. I wanted to drill it all the way down for us. This is crazy, the stuff that happened in the first century church. God was for sure establishing his church. He was establishing the principles by which we would be walking all through these centuries until Jesus returns. He's establishing the principles uh, that when we step out in faith, that we live on the truth that God, in fact, is real, hasn't invaded our world, and Jesus is the Messiah, and our Holy Spirit fills us, then stuff's going to happen and salvation's going to come. He set all that up. So what does it look like for us? We ask God to express his kindness to somebody. And this is us now taking a step to say, so let me be those hands and feet of kindness and see if that doesn't become a sign and a wonder to somebody about who Jesus is. So who is that person? Have you continued to pray for them? Add an act of kindness in your relationship with them and wait for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do.